How do you leverage emotional intelligence to create the life, relationship, and business of your dreams? I've spent over a decade studying, speaking, and coaching on emotional intelligence. And in this podcast, I share the exact principles and strategies my clients have used to earn seven-figure incomes, heal their relationships, get engaged after years of failed relationships, and step into their authentic power to become the leaders they came here to be. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited to be here. I'm in my wedding bubble. We are less than three weeks from becoming husband and wife. I'm so excited. And yes, I will be doing an update every episode, a countdown until Feb 8th. So just warning you ahead of time. Today, we had an amazing lesson inside of the Academy Uh, When I say it's amazing, it's usually because I'm teaching on things that I need to hear again. I need to really embody myself more. And today's lesson was a continuation from last week's podcast where we talked about the difference between grabbing, that snatching energy versus receiving. And in today's academy class, we did a process to get into receiving mode and it was so good. Now, one of the things that we touched on that I was like, let me just unpack this more on the podcast was to tell a better lie. For clarity, and hear me when I say I'm not advocating you lie at all. So you'll understand the where I'm going with this as I delve in. Now, this really stemmed from the fact that Dr. Joe Dispenza said that 50% of our memories are lies, 50%. So when we're talking about a memory that happened maybe in our childhood years ago, like we've got a 50% accuracy, like that's not great. That's not great. And then I was like, well, what does the academic research say about this? And there was a study in 2022. The title is What Science Tells Us About False and Repressed Memories. And this is in the Journal of Memory, I believe. And the academic perspective, there are always a lot more reserved um, for obvious reasons. And this study did a lit review and obviously looked at multiple studies, but they found that on average, 30% of their participants, so this was in their study, formed false memories in implantation studies. So like that's a high amount of people, and we're talking in real time, 30% were creating false memories. Just let's hold on to that for a second. Now, this means that all of us, have memories that we embellish that are not accurate. They're not accurate. And the degree of accuracy is going to depend on many things that I'm not going to explore on this podcast. The The main point I'm trying to make here is, hmm, a chunk of our memories are false, yet it is our memories and our stories that shape our current day reality. So why would our memories from the past shape our current day reality? Well, the way that a a memory is formed is that we have a strong emotion 
And the stronger the emotion, the stronger the memory. That's why some of our most vivid memories shape our story. So you had a heightened emotion, your brain took a snapshot of everything that it could, okay, the smells, the sounds, the people, and that's why even a smell can trigger a positive or negative memory. So I remember my grade eight boyfriend, he wore Ralph Lauren cologne and that was so ingrained in me, like a, such a core memory that immediately every time that I smelt that cologne, I thought of him for years. I mean, like through high school, like that's his cologne. Okay. (laughs) That's just one example. So the other thing to consider is we don't tend to remember neutral memories for the reasons that I said. The more heightened emotion you have, the stronger the memory, the more your brain is on high alert to take inventory of what's around it. And so when that elevated emotion happens, your brain looks around, takes inventory, and then decides to put it in a bucket. It's either good memories or bad memories. And it will also amplify and fill in gaps with fabrications. So if it has incomplete information, it will fill in the gaps because that's what your brain wants to do. It's a problem-solving machine. It wants to fill in the gaps. It needs to come to conclusions, i.e. that's why we're so good as, as humans at jumping to conclusions because we need to make it make sense to us. We need to make it into a sequence that we understand how and why things happened the way that they did. Now I want you to think about how these memories, these life-shaping memories happened mostly in your childhood when you had an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex and an active imagination. So I want to also, you know, be really clear about I'm not gaslighting people and saying that oh, you you think you experienced trauma, but you didn't experience trauma, uh, not at all. Uh, it's so important to honor the journey that we have been on, the experiences that we've had, the experiences that have shaped us in the positive and not so positive ways. So I want to be clear on that. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that, wow, I remember something so vividly this way, but Is that fully accurate? Another thing to consider is that, let's say, for example, you had some challenges at school. Maybe you were bullied or maybe you struggled in school. Now that becomes your story. However, if we looked at a timeline of your life and your timeline at school you would probably find that 99%, 95% of the time you were not bullied or 95% or even 75%, you didn't struggle. But there were some core important memories in there where someone did really hurt you. Someone did say something hurtful to you and you really did struggle. Maybe your teacher pointed out how you were struggling and that shame that sadness, that anger, that frustration created a core memory. So now when you look back at your adolescent years and you look back your school age years, you think, wow, I was really bullied. And again, I'm not saying 
that you weren't bullied. What I'm saying is you, you're choosing specific data to pull on. There's so much data there that we can work with, but the one that your brain wants to hold on to are the ones that felt bad. Your brain does this to keep you safe because when it takes that snapshot of the surroundings at that time of injury, let's say, it was taking that information so that you could put that in your mind and prevent that situation from happening again. Yet this is the exact same reasons people are not living a full life. Because we're afraid to get hurt again. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of failure because we remember what that feels like at one core memory sometime long ago, and we don't want to go there again. So we we contract, we shrink, we dim. All because of a memory that we probably amplified. We probably fabricated some of it. But we are sense-making beings, so we need to have stories about our lives so that we have an identity, okay? We want to have stories about ourselves. And all I'm asking you to do is to tell a better story. You can look at the same data And you can interpret it a completely different way. So let's go for the person who was bullied. The emotion that was felt at that time could have been, I'm not good enough. I have shame. People don't like me. I'm a loser. Whatever that inner dialogue was. But what if your evolved today self could look at that child at that time and explain to that child that, hey, you know what? Bobby is saying that to you because he's hurting inside. No one that feels good makes other people feel bad. Maybe Angela was having a really hard time at home. Maybe her mom wasn't very kind to her. And her way of releasing that was being unkind to you. And that it had nothing to do with your worthiness or your good enoughness because you were perfect and you didn't deserve to feel that. You didn't deserve to hear that. You didn't deserve that. When we can go back to those memories and we can bring light to them and we can come from the frequency of our today evolved selves, then we can take that pressure off and it doesn't feel so heavy for ourselves at that age. And this is how we can begin to reshape those memories. What about the fact that because you experienced that as a child, you know what it feels like to not feel loved, and this has made you a very compassionate person today? Or maybe you're channeling it in a different way, and it's just made you excel, and it's made you find other passions. Maybe because you didn't have a big friend group, it made you really excel in your academics. 
how can we acknowledge what we went through yet tell a different story? Because when your then self realizes, oh, like it wasn't about me and it wasn't, I wasn't too loud and I wasn't too, it was my mom was going through a hard time. My mom didn't know how to cope with my brightness. My mom had her own trauma and she projected on me. My mom was just not the mom I needed her to be. It wasn't my fault. When we can change that story, you're going to show up differently today. Because those limiting stories that you tell about yourself because you were bullied, because you're a refugee, because you were this, because you were overweight, whatever it is, you have made it equal something. You have made it mean something. What if I told you that that was a lie? That someone else has been in your exact same situation Because like what, 7 billion people in the world, you are unique, but you know what's not unique? Your situation. (laughs) Someone has been through what you've been through and has been able to turn it around and find a way to love themselves through it. And so I'm going to encourage you to lie, to tell a better lie to yourself because you're lying to yourself anyway. 50% of our memories are lies. So why not make these stories suit you? Why not tell stories about how this is shaping your future for the better? Why not tell stories about how that incident created the strong, empowered leader that you are today? But those reshaping of stories isn't going to come just because you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to reshape them. No, it's a conscious decision. So I'm going to invite you to Think about three lies that you tell yourself and think about where they came from. And I can almost guarantee it came from either a person or a caretaker who wasn't in the position to love you the way you deserve to be loved at the time and you made it mean something. Again, remember these these foundational memories happened before the age of seven for most of them. So they're ingrained in your body. Your body remembers them. Yet you didn't have the mental faculty to even understand what was happening to you. So to say that you're, the way that you perceived yourself is a lie is pretty accurate. And that you can change that today by saying, okay, what are these beliefs that are just not serving me and what do I want to believe instead? Because for as long as we keep telling that story, for as long as we keep reiterating that my dad abused me, my mom abused me, I was bullied, I was never smart enough, I was never the prettiest, none of the boys liked me, whatever story you keep telling yourself is going to shape your today reality. And I want you to imagine, and this is the work I do often with my one-on-one clients too, is this inner dialogue, I want you to imagine the way you're thinking to yourself, like none of the guys like me, I'm not the prettiest, oh my gosh, I'm so ugly, I'm so overweight, I'm not smart enough, she's more talented than me. I want you to imagine you're looking at a three-year-old girl the most gorgeous little three-year-old you you've ever seen and you're telling her that, you know, you're not good enough. You're not the prettiest. You need to lose some weight. 
you know, you're too loud. Would you say that to an innocent little child? You wouldn't. So don't say it to yourself because that little girl is the one that's receiving the message. When you speak like that, understand you're not talking to your adult self. You're wounding that inner child. So let's take a deep breath because I got really into that. I'm so passionate about this. And commit to yourself today that today I'm going to tell a better lie.